I gotta mute my phone. Monica, it's sound check. Hello. Can you hear me? I'm in high demand. Oh yeah, that's By a good who? idea though. Nobody ever calls me. Oh, oh it's just texts coming in all. Be, I thought you know, you were... Once I get on this call, I'll get six texts. I was about to be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I never get any calls either. Welcome back to Two and a Half Chicks with me, Tess, Monica, and Brian. We decided to have a part two of our last episode. We got into talking about the best sex scenes in movies, and we thought that we would do a little bit of homework and revisit some of these movies we talked about and have a little bit of a renewed, more detailed discussion about it this week. I went back and rewatched some specific scenes on Bridgerton, and then I did some reading because I didn't want to re-rent some of the movies, so I did some reading on them to remind myself about the scenes. And then I re-watched Unfaithful and Nine and a Half Weeks, and I watched for the first time Call Me By Your Name. So what did you guys watch? I re-rented Nine and a Half Weeks, I watched Unfaithful, and I watched Call Me By Your Name. I didn't go to Warmest is the blue, whatever it is, what color, blue, <laughs> I, I couldn't remember the name. I saw that movie before. I think that the weirdest part about that movie for me was that the kids in the movie, it was a really great coming of age movie. I do remember that. And there was a lot of like, the, I remember the girl was with a guy and the girl was with the girl and she was kind of figuring herself out. But I remember thinking to myself, I felt dirty watching the movie because the actors looked so young in the movie that it was a little bit disturbing for me. <laughs> it was like, this girl and looked like she was a preteen. I know she wasn't. I understand that. I get the movie, and she was just blessed to look youthful, but I got creeped out watching the movie, the scenes, the sex scenes. So I, I remembered, I, like I said, I haven't rewatched it, but I do remember that was that weird feeling I got watching it. Um, I, I had watched Unfaithful, Call Me By Your Name, uh, the Bridgerton series I watched multiple times, so I didn't need to rewatch that. <laughs> uh, I, I had never seen Blue is the Warmest Color, so I watched that for the first time. Loved it. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, oh, Nine and a Half Weeks. I had, in fact, watched it. So I just watched the key scenes over again. And I have notes. Sounds like we all did it. Good. I'm fine with starting blue with Blue is the Warmest Color. Okay. Well, you guys share your feelings because I just shared mine on that. Go ahead, Monica. I love that movie. It was so real. The only thing I didn't like was, oh my goodness, it was so long. The whole movie was so long? It was long. Yeah, it was so long, the whole movie. But the scenes, and it's not just sex scenes. It's also the scenes where, you know, Bridgerton does this really well, where they don't need to have sex, but you see that they want each other. Like they can't get enough of each other that they need to absorb that person to kiss them. And that's why, you know, in most of these movies you see where like when they kiss, it's like they use their mouth as their way of like trying to like get this person inside of them, like to, to taste them. Right. Cause they can't get enough of this person. Um, and that's probably, yeah, that's true. Most good movies that have good uh, sex scenes. And so I liked the way they did that in uh, blue is the warmest color. Brian, I have to disagree maybe because I'm a woman um, but when I saw them uh, in the nude, I actually thought they looked like women. They didn't look like girl bodies to me. But I'm just talking about the faces of all of them. They all looked like little kids. Yeah. Like, you know, for me, they just, it was a little just a little yeah, too they creepy did. for me. 
I guess it was the makeup or the lighting because at the very end, you know, in the last, when they're at the conclusion of the movie, they definitely look like women's faces. They didn't look like little girl faces anymore. They had been through a lot. So I, that might've been the acting. They'd grown up a bit. They had matured a bit. So maybe they did a good job of making them look more innocent earlier in the movie. Maybe that's what it was. I was too traumatized to remember the ending. (laughs) I loved how it deals with the topic of uh, love versus passionate sex. Um, To me, that's how I took it. It's funny because the first main sex scene goes on for like a really long time. And Mm -hmm. it was actually kind of controversial because of that when it came out, like people in the theater walked out because it was too long. What I loved about it, it was shot further back. So you got to see their bodies. Like a lot of times in sex scenes, you don't really get Mm -hmm. to see a lot of the bodies because... They're just like concentrating on the face or certain body parts, like the concave of the girl's hip or stomach or their bare butts or Mm -hmm. something like that. You don't get to see like the full forms. And I thought this one was so beautiful because you were seeing their bodies entangled together and their whole, you know. But again, that was also somewhat controversial because people thought that was um, a director's, a male director's vision that wanted to show these women's bodies. And I disagreed with that. I thought it was super beautiful because they did that. I mean, I thought though it was very known to be very carnal, very you know, very carnal, very animalistic. It was because they were finally giving in to their urges and to this attraction that they felt. I have um, to. I would agree. say I don't want to say especially the girl who wasn't sure about her desires, but I think she mm-hmm. really let herself. She go. let loose, and she, she really let, let herself go when she was with uh, Emma. I can understand why somebody would complain about the fact that it was you know, from a male's perspective, just uh, objectifying the women. But I also right. think that I, I have to agree with you, Tess, that the way they show the bodies, um, the cinematography of how they showed the sex scenes were, was actually very beautiful, artistic. Like it was like a painting. They were actually making a painting with their bodies, you know, in the positions that they shot them. I felt that way about... Um Call me by your name was the same way, Monica. It was it was a work oh, of agree. art. Yes, it, mm, it was a work of art, and they were entwined. And like you said, Tess, they showed the bodies in different angles and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it was like uh, it was such a beautiful movie. This is kind of a little bit revealing, but having had sex with both genders, I find that sex between two women is you're not trying to get to an endpoint. Like sex between two women is often about the entire experience. And I'm not saying that it can't be that way with a man. It's just that you're not just trying to get to that climax where it happens a lot with male, female sex. And I think that's what they depicted in the movie was that they were having a huge connective physical experience. That's a great point. That is a very great point. And I completely agree. Yeah, I agree too. Well, cool. That was, it was great to revisit that one. I then Monica, it was long. I never watched it in one sitting. I remember it was long when I was watching it originally too. And I don't think I watched it in one sitting because of that. I did watch it in one sitting and I'm thinking, man, I really have a lot of chores to go to. And this movie's <laughs> taking forever. <laughs> but I was enjoying it. And it, it got better as as the movie went on. At very you know, there was sometimes where it dragged or like the scenes like, does this scene really need to be there? But I appreciated it at the end because it was giving Adele's journey, like her journey from when she was in high school to when she became, you know, she became a teacher and all those little scenes made the movie like real. 
Mm. Like I, you can relate to a woman like that, you know, or, or like your own story. Cause that's how you live life. Right. When you're, when you're like that, when you're heartbroken, it's like, you just go, you go through the motions day by day, you know, it doesn't go that fast in real life. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And I love that about it, even though it was long. It needed to be a longer movie to tell the story. I agree with you. Yeah. Cause it was her journey. Yeah, it was a great coming of age story. So it seems apropos to go over to Call Me By Your Name because I felt like the other movies we're going to talk about are a little bit more a different feel entirely. Right. Because that one was also a coming of age story. It wasn't a simple just, hey, this is really hot sex kind of a movie. Yeah, that one is literally, I remember I saw that in a movie theater. I, I, I don't know, Monica, if I saw that with you or my niece. I thought we watched it together. Yeah, because we both walked that or they were like so... Love it. Loving it so much. What a freaking great movie, right? Like it was, mm-hmm. it was definitely what, the, I love that movie. one of the most beautifully filmed movies I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the music from like Jump Street, and right? This, the fact that, you know, it was a summer love. I think yeah. most of us can relate to that, even though not, it's not as passionate as their summer love was. But, you know, when you, you meet somebody in the summer, the the heat from the sun, the, the sound of the crickets in the grass, all those noises, they just yes. lend itself to you want to fall in love. You want to be sexy. You, you feel sexy because you're, you know, you're, you're wearing less clothes. Uh, you're, you're, yeah. you're walking around with like skimpy shorts or bathing suits and stuff. So. It just feels sexy. And that movie captured that summer sexiness. Yeah. I mean, it was from night. It was based in like 1983 Italy. So mm-hmm. this, this psychedelic furs were popular back then. So it's like the music in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. But like they, they were in an orchard. The family had a home in an orchard. So there was fresh fruit. And in one of the scenes, he fucks a peach. You remember? Like he literally, Pulls the pit out of the and peach. the other guy drinks from it. No, the, well, yeah. yeah, well, the guy bit into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna skip that part. <laughs> but he takes the pit out, and then the guy comes in. Right, Oliver comes in. I guess the guy was named Army Hammer comes in and starts going down on him. He's like, "What were you doing?" <laughs> He's like, yeah. But it was beautiful because he wasn't even turned off by it. Right. It was beautiful because he supported him, even though the kid felt. Embarrassed? I feel like he took that away. He did. He was, and the kid started crying. Remember? He yes. was embarrassed because you got to remember this was a twenty-four-year-old guy and a seventeen-year-old kid. Yeah, that would be a problem nowadays. So when did they say he was twenty-four? Because I missed that. I didn't know how old he was, but I I wondered. Was he twenty-four? He was just college age. Oh, he was Wikipedia. Okay. This oh, is twenty-four. Okay. So well, it could have been in the book. It was probably in the book. Yeah, it, it might have been in the book. I was wondering that by the end of the movie, I was like, how old was that guy? I know he said he was 17, but I agree with you guys on the cinematic elements of it right from the start. The way they filmed it, all those elements I loved from the start. But story-wise, I was having a hard time with those two characters and their attraction until a little ways in. Because to me, I felt like they were leaving a lot open for interpretation and I was like, what just happened? What were they talking about? Like, I felt like it was very hard to follow how they were feeling, especially the older guy. I agree. Because I even put in my notes, I'm like, were these like experimental bisexual people? Because they were both with women. Mm-hmm. The kid had a girlfriend, so to speak, before the intern got there. That's how I see Oliver. Like, Oliver deep down is gay. But like we said, it's in the 80s, early 80s. He's not supposed to be gay. 
So I think that's why it, it looks like he's he wants to just, you know, come at Elio, but because he's not supposed to be gay, he's holding back. But Oliver was gay, but you know, then he when he leaves, he has to go back to his life and he gets married because that's what he's expected to do. He I guess he felt or wherever he lived, he couldn't really live the life that he wanted. I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it like <laughs> this was his summer of love. This was his fling. This was he was in another country in a very, very beautiful setting. And he, he was going to I don't want to say take advantage of a moment, but I guess that's how I looked at it. He took advantage of a moment, and when he went back, he just went back to his life and got married because whether he was gay or, or not, it didn't matter. I just think he wanted to experiment, and he experimented, went home, and got married. If they make a comment after they get together, like, we wasted so much time. I, I and Oliver that. said, but I tried. Yeah, he said, we wasted so much time. And he says, but I tried. Remember when we were playing volleyball and I touched you? Yes. But then when they were out in the city together... And Elio starts to talk to him. It's almost like he's like, I can't hear this. Like, I can't know that. Like, this can't. Yeah. We can't talk about that. Like, we and don't I'm talk like, that whole this. scene confused the hell out of me because it's almost like Oliver was hitting on him. But then he's like, no, don't feel this way about me. But then it was like, well, we wasted so much time once it finally happened. But, well, I tried. But, so it got a little confusing to me there. I was like, did Oliver want him to or was he trying to fight it or what? Like I got a little bit. Confused. I think he was just trying to fight. Yeah, it. I agree, but I think that was the whole point of it. I think it was just cat and mouse. I think it was foreplay. I see. I see. That's or true. maybe he was trying to fight it because the kid was seventeen. Right. It was a. It was a great movie. Like the end, I was just whoa. The speech that the father gives. I know. Is the oh best my god! Speech. Yes. Right. Amazing. I cried in that speech. That was. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, I can't remember. He says something like, um, uh, "Nature has a cunning way." of finding our weakest spots. Hmm. And then he says, um, we tear out so much of ourselves by age 30, we become emotionally bankrupt. And he says, you're feeling the pain right now. Enjoy it. You live your life. You have one heart and one body. Enjoy both of them. If you feel pain, Mm -hmm. feel the pain. It it makes the the happiness so much better. What a great Because without the pain, you don't get the joy either. Yeah. Yeah. And his father even said what you're feeling. He's even said he didn't feel, he hasn't, been able to feel it. Yeah, he envied so, him. He said, I, I completely envy you. Yeah. Because not everybody gets that. No. Right. Mm-hmm. And I say that the, the sex in that movie, two guys together, it seemed to me like it was very passionately immature, which I thought was cool. Like, not not a lot of it was planned out. You know, I thought right. one of the funny scenes was like Oliver felt dismissed after, like a typical teenager, let's have sex with somebody and then blow them off and ignore them because... You did your deed. And he goes mm-hmm. up to him and he goes, come over here, drop your drawers. He, he starts blowing him. He goes, oh, good. You can get hard. And he walks away. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, that was hysterical. Like, he still likes me. <laughs> it was like, yes. he's definitely interested kind of a thing is how I took that. For me, that movie gets two thumbs up. It was fantastic because for me, I've seen male sex scenes before, but I've never seen a budding romance like that between two men. And I thought it was beautiful to watch. And Elio reminded me of Adele. They're, they were like the same in the sense yeah, that they gave themselves completely in every sex scene. Like they just completely let go, you know, yeah. Elio with Oliver and Adele with Emma. And I thought that was beautiful to watch. I thought that the very ending into the credits was an amazing ending. 
when he finds out that, you know, Oliver's going to get married and he sits in front of the fireplace and stares at the fire and just crying, like, and the fire's crackling and his mom's calling him, calling him. He finally just turns around after a while, but it goes on for like two minutes. But did you notice yeah. he went from tears to a bit of a smile a in that scene? Smile, right? So like, it's almost like he did what thing. his, or yeah. I think he was doing what his dad told him to do, right? Which is feel the pain. But then enjoy the the memory or enjoy the happiness of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, because what he had was precious. Yeah. Another comment I had a, a minute ago when you're talking about the sex scenes, I thought they brought the appropriate response because I felt like Elio was bringing the urgency and desperation of first lover, uh, a person that you first mm-hmm. love, how you'd feel about them, how he feels like he was like clinging. and Yeah, that's a great like point. That, that desperation. Mm-hmm. Whereas I thought that Oliver was bringing that maturity to the sex scenes. Like it wasn't his first rodeo. You yes. Know? Yeah. That's a great so, point um, because there's a couple scenes in there where, uh, Elio looked like a capuchin monkey hanging on him, wrapping his legs around him and clinging on him and climbing on him and then roughhousing. Yeah. Right. Remember they kept wrestling. Yeah. I remember like, I remember thinking to myself, yeah, that's a very different dynamic than between a man and a woman. <laughs> yeah. don't always do that. What movie you want to talk about next? Let's go into Unfaithful. Because for me, that was all passion by all three people. This was a movie with um, a woman who basically has an affair on her husband with this young, very handsome guy. And it's just a crazy, passionate affair. And I just thought it was so funny because I remember watching this movie and I would just remember the sex scenes and I love the sex scenes between these two. But then as I watched it again and I started taking notes for the most part, I realized at the end, Oh, I just did not like Diane Lane or Richard Gere at the end. I like really despised them at the end because of what happens through the whole thing. At the end of that movie, I had a very different feeling from when the first 25 times I watched, I guess I looked at it from the male perspective and the, the masturbatory um, <laughs> aspects of the movie. But at the very end of the movie, this poor guy is wrapped up in a carpet and thrown into a dump. You know, he had an affair. She was the one having the affair on Richard Gere. He knew that. He went and talked to him. He was very polite to Richard Gere when he showed up. Well, Richard Gere kills the guy, wraps him up and throws him in a dump. And then these two basically are like, um, let's live happily ever after. Let's run away together. Let's sell everything and go live on, you know, on an island. So I came away from that movie as great as the sex was. I kind of got mad at the end. <laughs> I didn't have that great well, sex feeling anymore. All the great sex that happened earlier in the, the movie, the whole energy of the story changed. So you could, couldn't concentrate on it anymore because it now became all about the unjustness of it all. Yes. So it took like you couldn't even enjoy that what you were enjoying earlier because it wasn't about that anymore yeah i would say for from a a sexuality standpoint fast forward to the sex scenes and then just shut the movie off after the last stop watching it yeah stop watching (laughs) it because then you're gonna be real mad at the end (laughs) well it just depends on what you're watching it for but yeah if that's what you want then yes i would agree with you I don't know. I felt like that movie was a case in point of what happens whenever people get complacent in their relationships. That's what can happen. Mm -hmm. They even show that they were, 
that couple was still having sex. Her and her husband were still having sex. Right. Because there was a scene where she was in a black nighty and she climbed on his lap and yeah, but that they were scene having happened sex. right after she saw the, the hot dude. So she was still a little fired up. You don't think before then that they they don't really say, I guess, if they had a sex life or not before. No, then. I just think she got all horny when she saw that guy at, at, during that meet cute. What do you think, Monica? Um. So yes, when I first saw this movie years ago, I had thought it was very, very sexy as well. Love the sex scenes. Diane Lane looked great in it. Agreed. Um, but when I was watching this time around. I actually felt uncomfortable a little bit with that first sex scene because I know it was sexy. You know, he, she's laying down and he's trying to take off her clothes and he's taking off her underwear and, and she keeps saying, stop, stop. And yes, I know she wanted it. I'm, I'm, I know it was an assault, but I actually, this time around when I saw it, I felt uncomfortable about the fact that, she was saying no. He knew she was feeling guilty. Yes, physically she wanted it, but emotionally she knew she was wrong for wanting it. And she kept saying no, and he kept pushing her into it. Not like I felt like he should have seen how it was afflicting her, and he should have stopped. I felt like he was pushing her into it. She, like yes, he was. You yeah. know there was he was there was other. there was tension between yeah, but. I don't know. Monica, I just think- I look at it this way. They had to walk up the steps, right? Because the elevator broke. So the first time she had 18 flights of stairs to say, I'm not, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> and she still went up the steps. Exactly. And the second but, but- one, the second one was she calls him from a payphone and has a coffee in her hand. He goes, why don't you come over? I'll make you some coffee. And she goes, okay. She had multiple opportunities to not go to this guy's house. I know, Brian, but... When he was capitalizing was there, on her desire. We, I yeah, agree she him wanted him. Yes, she wanted him. But in the act, she was trying to, you know, I don't know. I just felt uncomfortable. Because if she I was, felt like she wasn't trying she so claimed, hard. I mean, I mean she, she was crying. To say no, you mean? To say, like, say no? She was no, crying. She was crying because she wanted it so bad and she was guilted from it. Yes, I agree. I guess that's a good, yeah, not you maybe. Know, yeah, I don't know. Because she, she wouldn't have been there. And and I'm not saying that it's a Me Too moment. I'm not saying that. I I'm not saying it was assault or anything. I just think that it wasn't completely consensual. She oh. wanted it, yes, but it just reminded me of instances where, you know, sometimes a woman goes to a guy's room and then she changes her mind and the guy in his head thinks, well, it's like she too really late wants now. this. Yeah, yeah she's, guess, it's too late see, now. She's point. here and, and, and she's fighting me, but she really wants it. So I'm still going to give it to her because even though she's fighting me, she still wants it. I know what she wants. Yeah. And that's what I got from it. And that's why I felt uncomfortable about okay, it. That's fair. That's a very valid, fair point. I mean, like when he said, hit me and she tapped him and he goes, hit me. It, it was almost like she opened up Pandora's box with that, that smack. Yeah. Like the passion. Well, he wanted came her out. passion. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The passion yeah. came out. Right. He, he knew it was in there and he was very overconfident about that. Yeah. I didn't yes. care for his character at all. I didn't like that I didn't guy at either. all because I felt I like either. he was very smug and I felt like he was pushing her. Like you said, though, he knew she was uncomfortable. And even when Richard Gere showed up, he didn't even have the audacity to even look like he felt bad for him. Like in Richard Gere, to me, didn't go there. His character, the husband, didn't go there to kill him. 
He uh-huh. went yes, there that's to correct. just try to understand it. But I felt like the guy was, he answered his questions and everything, but I felt like his facial expression was like, this isn't my problem. Well, like, I, I just didn't feel like he. I got to tell you, I, I loved his character. I, I felt for his character. He was such a good guy. As He wasn't married. He was a single guy. This woman came to him. He was respectful to her for the most part. He took her out and he was showing her this world that she was missing. And then at the end, when he shows up at the house, no way on earth was he there to kill him. You know, he was very right. polite for me. Do you want a drink? You want this? And he was very matter of fact. But you also have to remember he was a foreigner. He was like a European. So they mm. are very matter of fact. They're not like Americans mm. with this sympathy train, right? They, they tell it like it is. Yeah, um, I, I feel that, I don't know the fact that, and the thing I think made me even more mad at the very end of the movie was when she flashes back and in her flashback, they show her getting into the cab and driving away instead of going and starting the affair, the affair in the first place. They show You're her saying that that was her new reality or what? It was like, I, I thought to myself when she got in that cab, if she would have gotten that cab in the first place, this guy would still be alive. Her husband would, you know, maybe her and her husband would still have issues, but at least this guy would still be alive. So you're saying the whole thing's her fault? Yeah, I kind of think it was her fault. <laughs> Absolutely, I think I, it was her fault. I don't 100% agree with that. Uh, no, they shared 50-50 fault here. The guy yeah, knew she was yeah. married. He could have stopped, too. It was a, this was I mean, a 21-year-old guy. Both of them committed the act. Yeah, it's like you said in one of our prior episodes. If, you know, if you're with somebody who's married and you know they're married, then mm-hmm. you're cheating too. Yep. It's not just the married person's responsibility. Yeah, I get that. But, like, there's no repercussion other than a, getting over the head with a snow globe and getting killed by, by an enraged husband. Uh, we're not saying that he deserved that, Brian, but he no. was guilty of the affair as much as she was. Yeah. Okay. I I, kind of get your point, but I kind of disagree. That scene when they were in the restaurant, just to make a further point, he's pressuring her to kiss him in public when she's a married woman. She could have left. Yeah, she could have left, but she was caught between doing something she didn't want to because she didn't want to give up the whole thing. So it was either like, take all these chances or give up the whole thing. And so she felt torn between he those He saw two her options. weakness and he exploited it. Like, I don't I think agree. he was thinking of like, I'm exploiting it. Yeah, and agree. that's why I agree with Tessa. I don't like that about his character. Okay. I'll agree to disagree. And okay. when you screw with somebody's wife or husband, you, there is always a risk of them finding out. And who knows how they'll react. Agreed. There's always that risk. Anyway, that was a tough one because, yes, the sex scenes were sexy, but it wasn't a cut and dried, like, couldn't just totally enjoy the sex scenes because the complications. Yeah, the absolutely. Because now that I look back on it, the way you guys are describing it, every sex scene was like an assault then. Because even when she went and when she beat him, like, started slapping him in the library because he was talking to that girl and they, he goes home with her and she's like, I'm out of here. And he's like, go. And then he just pushes in the hallway, right? Yeah. Which is probably like the best sex scene Ever, but now that you look back on it, in in your definition, this girl was raped. Well, no, no, she was giving she the he or the passion. Not took in that over. one. She no, said no the yeah. five, over. six times during that one. Yes, yeah, but, but then she, he asked her, "Do you want me to say you want me to?" And she said, "Yes, I want you to. I want you to." Yes, it was so that scene where he bent, he turned her around and bent her over, and he said, "Tell me you want me to 
you know, I don't remember how he worded right. it. Fuck me from fuck you from behind or what have you. So uh, she admitted so it. So her saying no five times before that was okay. Yeah, no, it's not that it was okay. She was angry. She was saying she was angry as she caught him with somebody else. And then she started looking at this like, this is like, I'm putting my marriage in jeopardy and I'm just one of how many to you? That's yeah. how she was feeling. Oh, I got moment. it. I understand that she was mad. Yeah. I'm just going off of your definition now. Because before no was no, bad, to now no is okay. So no, I'm no, no. This one was different, Brian, because in this one she was engaging too. Like she wasn't crying. She wasn't like racked with guilt. This one, even though she was saying no and no, she was still like, you know, touching him and kissing him. And like you said, you know, uh, like Tess said, when she, when he asked her to say it, she said, she said it. Okay. I but- think it was just the, the, some of the scenes we just felt like she wasn't okay. And a gentleman would be like, I can see that you're not okay. You're not ready for this. You're not in a place for this. And this he didn't do that. He just kept guy. pushing it. Well, I'm sorry, but I, I, my son would know better. I would think. You know, I would. Th- there's certain people that would know better. They just wouldn't necessarily exploit it. That's all. That's what Monica said. Exploit was the right word. Well, I, I think that like. we need to have in the comments when people wind up listening to this at some point. Put in the comments what they feel. When is it okay? And when is it not okay? So from there, let's jump over into nine and a half weeks, which I thought, once again, watching this movie in 1986, it came out. A 16-year-old watching this and a 52-year-old watching this, two totally different animals. Completely different, huh? Yeah. It's definitely not as sexy now as the other movies are. I will say the one thing that I think is timeless, the one sexy thing that was timeless was when Kim Basinger was clicking the button on the slideshow, looking at all of the uh, the paintings, and she was pleasuring herself. I, thought, oh, yeah, I think that that'll really go down sexy. as one of the greatest, sexiest moments. Yes. Her dancing for him was pretty sexy, too, I thought. It was funny. I thought about that, too. I was like, that is like the poor man's pole dancer. <laughs> like, she didn't. I thought it was sexy. Okay. You didn't think it was sexy? I thought it was. I didn't think it was that sexy. <laughs> yeah. I thought her, her moves compared to nowadays. I mean, I see better moves on TikTok now. But she wasn't an experienced pole dancer. She was just a woman who this was all very new to. Agreed. The fact that That's she was how most women would dance. Most women don't have rhythm, don't have lap dances, yeah. you know. Down. I thought it was okay. So I thought it was sexy. When I first saw it many years ago, I thought, "Oh wow!" You know, I, I thought it was sexy. But the only thing that went through my head when I was watching that scene was, "Oh damn, it's so dirty! They have to clean all that mess up." <laughs> I thought the same thing. I thought I it just was kudos. not sexy anymore because I was so focused on the fact that it was just so dirty and such a mess, all the stickiness. That is so funny because I thought the same not thing. Not dirty like, in a good way. Yes, not exactly. Yeah, I was like, way, yeah. but I did appreciate going back to, okay, yes, she wasn't a great pole dancer, but it was a real dance. I'll give you guys that. Yes. Just yeah. like the food that they pulled out of the refrigerator. I mean, black olives, a couple strawberries, honey, milk, a pepper. These are items that everybody has in their refrigerator today. For the most part, yes. in your pantry, you probably got 90% of these products. And I got to be honest with you, it's a mess. And quite frankly, a lot of the mixtures, and I get the sensuality of the hot pepper, you know, the tomato. But like, I'm thinking to myself the same thing as you, Monica. Boy, that's a shit show to clean up. And when <laughs> she's drinking the suck. milk, yes. and it's going all over her mouth, I'm like, I can't do this. 
I had to stop. Like, I can't watch this anymore. It's making me nervous. So in the very beginning of the movie, you could tell, because like, this is such a chauvinistic movie. Oh, the, that's horrible. The first yeah. 10 seconds of the show, she's walking down the street and the construction workers all outside cat calling her and everything. And I thought that, that was... That was the time, though. They could do it then. Yeah, it was the time right. for that. So there was one scene that completely stuck in my head, because I'm looking at the, the custodian. He's mopping up, and I'm looking at the guy. I'm like, is that Kevin Arnold's dad from Wonder Years playing the role as a custodian? <laughs> and he's mopping, and he hits her foot with the mop as she's walking through the, the, the corridor. When she jumps over, she turns around and gives him this coy smile, like a giggle. And he's like, oh, that's great. And he stops mopping and he leans on the mop and he's staring at her and he starts stroking the mop. Like he's jerking the oh mop Oh my off. gosh. And I'm like, Kim Basinger just made Kevin Arnold's dad jerk off a mop handle. And I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> it was really early on for that subject matter too. That power exchange subject matter. And yeah. I'm all for the whole power exchange thing and the whole dynamic and role play thing. I'm all for that. But you have to earn somebody's trust for that. And he didn't earn her trust before he started power dynamics with her, yeah. which made him creepy as hell. And when he put her on that Ferris wheel and left her up there, he was testing her limits. He was trying to see yeah. what he could get away with so he could see how far he could push her. And I didn't like that. So I think that turned me off. The sex scenes themselves, if I looked at just the sex scenes, I enjoyed them very much. And there was also a lot of affection and love between them. But that other part of it that he didn't earn her trust first really turned me off. And I think That's why that I said was it was the, complicated. I don't know if this was a relationship that was supposed to be a ongoing relationship, though. Oh, he it hurt him it when did. he lost her. At the end. Yeah. He did say... I, oh, but he he... Said I never, yeah, that's true. He didn't, it may not have been his intention. Like, he, yeah, you're right. So, like, I will say that I don't know. I mean, we'd have to research this more. If there is a movie out there where the woman flips the script and does this to a guy and sticks him on top of Ferris wheel. Oh, there's, I don't know that there's a movie about it, but there's definitely power exchange in both directions. Yeah, I mean, but I can't. Just, I just, I'm a firm believer in it. You're an adult. If you don't like it, leave. Yeah, but the thing is, is what they do is they sweeten the pot to where she really wants it, even if it's making her supremely uncomfortable. That's what boundary pushing is. That's what pushing someone's limitations is all about. It's a mental game. Right. You make it so that they can't resist it. And then they'll go outside their boundaries because, you know, and do what you want them to do because you make it so sweet on the other side of the spectrum. It's a very manipulative game. That's fair. I mean, she said at one point where she says, uh, I sprayed my underarms with Lysol. That's how... Like, so she can't the, think of anything the guy, else. Yeah. yeah, guy had her crazy. She also asked at one point, how did you know about me? Like, how did you know you could get me to do all this stuff? Is what yeah, she meant. Right? that was a great line. And he says, because uh, yeah. I saw me and you. Yeah. That's what he retorted with. That didn't explain shit. But yeah, what does that mean? Does that mean that he was once more submissive? Or was it, uh, oh, you wouldn't be able to resist the desire or the experience. Maybe that's what he was talking about. Yeah, Maybe he that's, that's what I think it was. Or that he saw that she was more kinky or like he saw that she would probably enjoy the kinky stuff or something. Yeah, I thought that was a cool thing when he said to her, um, she's like, yes, sometimes I wish I was a man. And he went and bought her a tuxedo and said, meet me downstairs. And she shows yeah. up at the bar wearing a tuxedo and a mustache. And they're yeah. just, they're having a guy conversation. I thought that yeah. was cool. And when they went outside, they got gay bashed. That was <laughs> yeah. another scene, Monica, where I was like, oh God, that's diphtheria waiting to happen. When they were having sex in the alleyway and the water was pouring all over them. They're in a New York mm-hmm. alleyway. There's water coming off the building. There's sewage everywhere. And they're, they're like just 
letting the water splash. I'm like, oh, God, that's disgusting. <laughs> I know. That's what you think when you're older. Exactly. You didn't think about that when you were younger. No, not even close. You were just happy to be getting some. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I thought that was a cool scene, too, when he really, really... I think this was the breaking point, right? When he brought the girl in. Oh, yeah, because he just surprised her with it and she wasn't okay with it. Right. But that was the breaking point. That's when she said, okay, I'm not willing to do this. He put her on top of the Mm -hmm. Ferris wheel. She stood up there. She came down. And then they laughed about it. And she was like, I'm going to kick your butt, blah, 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 blah. But when he brought that woman in, she was like, I think I'm done. So I'm saying to myself, you got to know what your limit is to say, I think I'm done. She knew at that point. Why didn't she know the Mm -hmm. Ferris wheel? Everybody has their reasons on when they can say they've had enough. And even though you think that it's at this point that they should have enough and they should leave, internally, we don't know what somebody's going through and why they're convincing themselves that this is not enough and they stay. I think he had a mental issue, to be honest with you. I thought that mm-hmm. he had He wanted, He was controlling. Yeah, because at the very mm-hmm. end, when he says he had the audacity to say, I'm going to count to 50 and you're going to come back. Meanwhile, she was out the door already, right? He said it to himself. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was actually in his head probably counting to 50, thinking this woman was going to come back. Going back to the Ferris wheel thing, I didn't bring it up because I thought she should have left at that point. I brought it up because it was very telling to me what he was doing. He was seeing what he could get away with. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he was. Control. Well, he was doing that from the, from the start, though, when he started making the bed sheets. And she's like. She says you're being presumptuous. Yeah. yeah. And he was kind of like, well. You're here. Yeah, and he said you could leave if you want. Yeah. That's what he said. But so it's it's like if you want me, this is what you have to contend with, but if you don't, you can leave. Right. It's not like you can have me under different under different, under different right. circumstances. Correct. Uh, I agree. And that's how control happens. This is a subject I'm very familiar with. I've read a lot of material and there's it's a very huge psychological element. And there are a lot of people out there. One of the things that bothers me, getting into the whole Fifty Shades trilogy. The thing that bothers me is they make it seem like if someone has the desire to be dominant, that there's something wrong with them. There are people out there that desire to be dominant. There are people out there that desire to be submissive. And then there are people that don't desire to be submissive, but there are dominance trying to make them submissive, like in this movie. She didn't do- She didn't already yeah. um, identify as a submissive person. He saw her, wanted her, and decided he wanted to make her submissive. A person who has dominant tendencies, it's not always because they're fucked up. These movies make it seem that way. There's a whole community of many, many, many people where this lifestyle works really well for both sides, the yin and the yang, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say there's not a lot of fucked up stuff out there because there is, but I'm... That's fair. It's a very complex subject. You know, it's funny because I thought we yeah. were going to go into this whole thing, right? We thought it was so funny. Like, well, let's go find the sexiest scenes <laughs> in movies. And we come out of it as... Like kind of like adults. Yes, because a lot of these movies, we watched them when we were younger and our right. perspective was much different. We didn't know as much about life like we do now. Right. Yeah. Did you guys have any follow-up comments on Bridgerton? I got to be honest with you with Bridgerton. I watch it and then I kind of forget about it. I don't mm. really sustain thoughts of it. I still to this day could not name one character on the show. Oh, I can name all of them. Well, Monica, you said you watched it multiple times. I did. What I love about Bridgerton and the sex season Bridgerton is that it's very focused on female pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like their orgasms are like central to the sex scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, let's face it. A female's O face is so much more attractive than a male's O face, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, oh, uh, oh. Uh, oh right? I think it's the same, really, but. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to put a mirror in front of me on my O face. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think any of us feels comfortable looking at ourselves at that moment. Well, now I'm going to ask myself to try it now. <laughs> I'll be like, tell hey, your friend to videotape you. Yep, there you go. I'm going to tell her, hey, look, this is for pure science. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I'm sure she'll believe you too. <laughs> I think what I loved about that was that they just were like, they finally were able to do it. And once they mm-hmm. gave into it, I think the in those scenes, the passion was just apparent. Yes. You know, he, like she was very innocent and she was discovering what it was like. And Which one are you talking about? I mean, about? it was that whole... Bridgerton. Bridgerton. No, no, which girl? Just the first season. Okay, the so Duchess. First the Duke season. and the gotcha. Duchess. Okay. There was that whole storyline about children. But I felt like when they were the first, like right after they got married, those scenes were just really... Passionate. Yeah, they were. When they, they were on were their honeymoon, mm-hmm. they were yes. very passionate, very innocent, passionate. They had a lot sexy. of chemistry together too. Those two. They did. Yeah, it was they good. did. Yeah. Well, wow, we covered this topic pretty extensively. Yeah. You think? I yes, think we, we did. did. It's nice when there was movies that we can all relate to and talk about. Yeah. Should we do any final comments? Here's my final thoughts on what we watched and all the movie stuff. When you watch things when you're a kid, you have a completely different perspective. And when you watch them as an adult, you may think it's the greatest movie ever. Rewatch it. Rewatch a movie. Unless you want to keep that memory in your head of when you were a kid, don't rewatch it. Remember how good it was. Don't open up that can of worms because you may not be happy with the result. Yeah. Uh, my final comments are I just want more, please, because I think that our country is just a little bit too prude. I think that we need more sex and less violence. And it could be tasteful sex. It could be me too yeah. proof sex. <laughs> <laughs> I think these types of sex scenes, they're addictive to us because most of us spend our lives looking for that. And not all of us are lucky enough to experience that in our life where they show it in the movies where you just want that person and, and you want to absorb that person and you just want to be in their presence all the time. We don't all have that experience. And I think these movies... They're nice because they give us an escape mm-hmm. to at least think about what that could be like. I mean, the danger is that if you see that in a movie, the danger is that you are going to project that onto all of your relationships where you're so desperate for that to be in your relationship that you might mistake it in real life and then end up with a bad relationship. Is that clear what I just said? No, I see what you're saying because you're saying a lot of people don't have it in their reality today. And they like experiencing it in the movies. Yeah, I get it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The only thing is you have to be careful, especially when you're young. You have to be careful that what you see in the movies may not be what's happening in your relationship and stop trying to, you you may want it so bad that you imagine it in your relationship. And then one day you wake up and you're like, holy cow, this relationship sucks. Yeah, that's true. It's not what I thought it, what I wanted it to be. I get it because I think I put on one of my dating apps when I was dating that stuff. Uh, I want like a Nicholas Sparks ending. You know, I want yeah. the girl from a Nicholas Sparks movie. I well, want that romance. Well, life is just a series of moments, good and bad. You know, a happy ending is only the start of the rest of their lives. So right. try to have more good ones than bad ones. That's the goal, right? Well said. On that note. All right, guys. We'll talk during the week. All right. Bye, everyone. Okay. Love you guys. Love you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Two and a Half Chicks. We would love to hear from you. Questions, comments, or give us a suggestion about something you'd like to hear us chat about. You can leave us a voicemail at podinbox.com forward slash two, P as in Paul, five, C as in chick.
or you can email us at 2.5chickspod at gmail.com. And please go on over to Instagram and follow us there at 2.5chicks. We'll be back again next week. See you then.